save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. Our guest today is Daniel Bruce Levin. Daniel and I met through Facebook's podcast Guest Connection. I really love that group because it's connected me with a lot of fascinating people like Daniel. He's a little hard to describe, so I'm going to quote from his website. He considers himself to have a fifth-dimensional personality and describes himself as someone with a rare blend of mystic and business abilities who can see the world differently and draw people, companies, and governments together to jumpstart innovation. He goes on to say that he will show you how to see things differently. And he very definitely has a different perspective on our core topic. We talk about finding your dream, the vital role that listening plays in effective communication, Daniel's trash can rule, and the importance of connection to self. You can learn more about Daniel on his website at DanielBruceLevin.com. That's DanielBruceLevin.com. And his book, The Mosaic, is available on Amazon. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. My guest is Daniel Bruce Levin, who... I'm not sure how to describe you, Daniel, but we'll 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 get to to know more about you here in the course of our. You're not alone in that, my friend. <laughs> but we, uh, I should tell our listeners, uh, Daniel and I have. Well, this is the first time we're meeting face to face. We connected through Facebook's podcast connection, so um, we're getting to know each other here, um, just as uh, all of you are as you're listening into this. And Daniel, I often like to start my conversations by asking my guests to tell us a little bit about their origin story. In, in your case, based on what I have learned about you so far from, from looking at your website and reading through um, summaries of your book, The Mosaic, um, it does seem to me that two major, sort of major course corrections seem to have defined your life. One, walking away from the revenant one day shy of being ordained and, uh, and then later leaving a multi-million dollar business to hitchhike around the world. So I think I thought I'd start with two questions. First, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to those decisions? And second, since my podcast is devoted to communicating um, in difficult situations, I, I, I am curious to know how you communicated those decisions to your family and your colleagues and your friends. Beautiful, beautiful question. I mean, there are so many points that I could say are, are those points. Most people in their life have one or two. I probably had about 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I were to really be truthful with you, the point that of, of where it happened happened much earlier than that. Um, it happened when I was 13 years old with the death of my father. We would go, we went away to summer camp in the summers. And so he came into my room because he was leaving on a business trip four days before we were leaving to summer camp. 
and would have been and was away but when we were leaving and he told me i'm going to say good night to you and i'm going to also tell you i love you and i'm going to see you i'll tell you i'll see you on visitors day and i said what do you mean what are you talking about he said well i'm not going to be here i'm leaving on a business trip tomorrow i said and i want you to just sleep because i'm leaving very early i said well what time are you leaving i'm not going to let you just door without giving you a big telling you i love you and be safe and he said it's i'm leaving at four o'clock in the morning danny just let's do that now get rest you're going to be going away to summer camp soon you know just just rest up this is your this is your little break so i said there's no way that's going to happen dad i'll see you before you go out the door well four o'clock came and went and i didn't wake up for whatever reason and before visitors day came he passed away of a heart attack so I made up a story about that because I couldn't deal with the fact that the person that I loved and respected the most in my life was taken from me for an apparently no reason, a random reason. And so I made up a story that had I woken up at four o'clock to say goodbye to him, he wouldn't have died four weeks later. Is there any correlation? Is there any reality to that story? Absolutely not. If you asked a thousand people, would would me not waking up be the reason why four weeks later he died of a heart they would say absolutely not no i mean a hundred a hundred thousand people would say no if he has the thousand but in my little world it took a random world and made it into a cause and effect world and i was the cause world i caused it to happen and that made as much as it pained me to think that i caused it to happen as much as i punished myself for causing it to happen when i had nothing no cause there was no there's no reality to that. Right? I still did it over and over again, and that developed a pattern of how I deal, how I how I worked through world of my life. When things happened that were random, that I understand that I was the cause of it. I was the blame for it. If I would have done something, if I would have done help, and so one of the things that I think it's really important to share with people that are listening is not to have to make some of the same mistakes that I made, and and those mistakes are to take a look at really at some of the stories we tell ourselves because some of the stories we've told ourselves so many times over and over and over and over again, we actually believe that they're real and they're not real. They're just stories. In answer to the question, I think you're asking me of then what happened when my parents passed away, when my mom passed away two years later, the same day, we moved in to with a, with an uncle and aunt and aunt was my mother's sister and her, and her husband was a household name. He was the one that started hit that had the multi-billion dollar business. And in those days, 50 years ago, you didn't give a business over to your daughters. It just wasn't. Thank God that's changed, right? They were much more qualified than me, much more talented, much smarter. But he watched me for a little while and he said, I'm going to change your life if I see something that I like. I said, okay. I didn't have any idea what he was talking about. He took me out to lunch about a month and a half after I came came there and said, I want you to start from the bottom pushing a broom. But in 15 years, you're 15 now by the time you're third take over my business because you're going to work up every level of the business till you're sitting in my seat. And that gives me the chance to retire or semi-retire the way I want. And I said, wow, what what an amazing offer. And thank you very, very much. But you know, something, it took you a month and a half to see if I was someone I, that could take over that place for you. I'm just a kid. You're smart. You're wise. You're, you know, you're a, you're a billionaire. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about anything. So I'd like to take a year and watch you and I'll let you know the answer to my question. 
And he said, do you know that 99.9999999% of the people in the world would have said, where's the broom? Let me start today. Why wait till tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I think that's true. I said, it's just our rotten, it's just our rotten luck that I'm the point oh, 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 and then put a one in there somewhere. Was he impressed by that? Um, he was, he didn't know whether to be impressed or whether to, and, and he really said it to me. He said, your answer will either be what gives you greatness or, or what makes you uh, cower into nothingness. And he said, we just have to see over time how that will be. So a year later, for a number of different reasons, we had another conversation and I asked him a few questions. And from the results of those questions, I said, I think we have our answer, don't you? And he said, yeah, and I said, so what do you want me to do now? Because I'm not going to take over your business. And so the conversations that we have really are easy conversations if we know we are and what we want. And if we come from of love. Like I was in total respect to him. I, I, I was so enamored and honored and, and humbled by the fact that he wanted me to do that. But that doesn't mean that I just cower into what he wants, he wanted me to do. And that situation happened over and over and over in life as well. People saw something in me. They saw some, some spark of something that they wanted to, to, they wanted to use, that they, not that they wanted to use, that they wanted to help me to grow into what they wanted me to be. In, in honor of this conversation now, because it's starting to sound like a monologue, I apologize. Those conversations that we have with people that trust us give us the greatest opportunity to find the heaven we're looking for. Because it's not, when people think like us, it's easy. But when people don't think like us, that's where innovation happens. In a business, that's the most creative place to be, where you sit two people down who look at the same thing and see it differently. And you go, wow. Like, that's where curiosity is amazing. You say, show me what you see. I mean, I'm looking at it. I see it totally different. What do you see? How, like, help me to see what you see. It sounds as though one of the lessons or, or one of the, maybe the tenets you've lived by is you, you need to be true to yourself and, and, and honest about where you're coming from and, and your point of view so that you can figure out your own path and also interact more successfully with others. I think if I would boil it down even more than that, it's 100% true what you're saying. But one of the themes the Mosaic has taught me is, is how important it is to listen. And for anybody who's listening to me talk, they would think, what the hell are you talking about? This guy's just talking all day long, right? And like, even in, this inter even in this conversation, I've been talking. I haven't, one would say, I'm not listening. And so when I got the commission to learn, to, to start a revolution of listening, I said to them, gosh, you must be way down on the totem pole. I mean, to pick me, I'm, I'm a person that doesn't, like, I talk a lot. And they said, well, we're doing it for two reasons. One is we want you to listen better. But two is way more important than one. You have, a, you have an interesting way of speaking. And the way you speak and the stories you tell capture the minds of people. The mind is where fear lives. When you're able to capture the mind and the stories that you tell, so the mind is activated and alive and participating in that conversation, fear holds still. And you're able then to speak and listen to their heart with your heart. You're able to speak and listen to their soul with your soul. And so often the voice of the soul is not the voice of the mouth that you hear. So you can learn to listen to what people are saying, but often that's not what they're really saying. Learn to, as you're speaking, listen to their heart, listen to their soul, love on them, accept them, understand, listen to their heart and their soul. 
and, and try and give them what they want, what they're asking for there. And I think that practice, even as we're talking here, I'm doing that to the people that are listening. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tune in. What would it be that they really, really want? Well, and I want to come back to, uh, to list, talk a little bit more about listening and the role that it plays in the mosaic. But you mentioned um, storytelling and you started off by saying how you, when your father passed away, you told yourself a story that it, it seems yeah. to be in some way, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it helped you to sort of process that whole Absolutely. event. And you talked also about just the power of stories for, for good and for bad. And I wanted to focus on that first. You, the ability to tell good stories that people can relate to is, I think, an essential equality in an effective communicator, and particularly one who needs to break through and win people over in difficult situations, which is sort of the theme of of this podcast. So I wanted to ask you to, to talk a little bit more about what you've learned about the power of storytelling, how you've incorporated in your life and perhaps in other ways, and what advice you have for people who are looking to be good or, or maybe better is the right word, storytellers. Okay, so I love the question. Thank you so much. Um, a good storyteller doesn't have an agenda. Some storytellers have agendas. They're telling you a story so they make a point so that you'll do what they want them to do. I find the times that I communicate best is not when I'm trying to teach you something or get you to do something you don't want to do. Yeah. It's when I'm listening to you and, and hearing what it is you want and offering you a, a, a possibility for you to take a look at and for you to choose what, what you don't like. So oftentimes when I'm talking to people in the work that I do, I say to them, the trash can rule is in effect. And they say, what's the trash can rule? I said, if anything I said makes sense to you, don't take it in for a minute, just throw it right into the trash and just put it just, just like, just because I'm saying it doesn't mean it has anything to do with you. I wouldn't be saying it to you if I didn't feel it had some relevance start to where we're going to go in our conversation, but that doesn't mean that you have to take it. So please take everything and just throw it into the trash if it doesn't make sense. The feeling of freedom that gives a person to just be able to listen and hear at that point, to make the decision for themselves is so, is so uplifting and it's so powerful. So I think the most important thing in storytelling is to be able to articulate a story, but to not be attached to the outcome of the story. Because the moment the story leaves my mouth and enters your ears, it becomes your story. Because you've, you've shaped it and framed it by your experiences and your life and your life situations. And being with each other and coming together, we will find solutions together that we can't find on our own. We're greater together. United we stand, divided we fall. All that stuff we grew up learning. Most interesting is just the different perspective you're, you bring to, to the, that topic, to other things that, that I'd like to discuss. Because... It, this podcast is based on a book that I wrote called What to Say When Things Get Tough, which is a book about business communication and how to, as I said earlier, win, break through and win people over in difficult situations when they're angry, worried, and suspicious of everything you do. And one of the chapters is on the power of storytelling, and, but it really comes from a, from a business communications point of view and where you are trying to sort of convince people um, not to be worried or to accept a new power line in their neighborhood or to um, 
support cleaning up a, a, a dirty industrial site in their community, those kinds of more sort of corporate business things. Uh, so where you're coming from, I think just, which is the whole point of having, you know, the connections that we make through Facebook and other places is to, as I said, to bring a different perspective. I, it makes me think of a, of a story that my uh, old boss and mentor used to tell. Um, and that is he would go to business conferences and there would be a day of you know, presentation after presentation, most people using PowerPoint. And you could just tell that within a few seconds of somebody beginning uh, their presentation and going to the first slide of their, of their PowerPoint deck, well, once it came to be that people had phones, um, that's what they were doing. Everybody's head was down. They were checking uh, their email, checking their texts, uh, looking at the stock market and things on their phones. And he, he was one of them. And he was sitting in the back of the room. And after one person had finished his presentation, somebody else got up and turned off the PowerPoint projector and just walked to the middle of the stage and said, I don't have a PowerPoint presentation. You know, instead, I'd really just like to tell you a story. And he said, it was remarkable. You looked around the room and everybody's heads went up. They all put their phones down and he had their attention for 10 or 15 minutes. And you can bet that of all the things that people heard in that room that day, the one thing that they'll remember and take back with them and share with colleagues and friends and family uh, was the story that they heard. And therefore, whatever information he was trying to impart to change people's minds or behaviors or, or th thoughts, um, you know, it stuck. If we would sit down with each other and just listen to each other and just really be curious about how is it possible that you can see this, see it this way when I see it the opposite way, rather than stand there and defend our ground as if we have to be right and you're wrong. What would that do in our businesses? What would that do in our government? What would that do in our families? You know, I have an insatiable desire to be right as a human being. And I watch myself. My wife will sometimes say, like, you're amazing with the kids. But sometimes that insatiable right to need to be right comes in and you just blow everything because you just, you just pick at them and you don't pick at them. And, and it's true, I do. When we start to listen instead of speak, when we start to love and accept, and when we give the chance to have their own point of view without, without trying to manipulate them or control them, even in our stories and conversation, I'm not scared any longer going through that painful place where people feel misunderstood. Because until we get to that place where they sit with that and feel misunderstood and feel like somebody's there for them to help understand them, even in the midst of their misunderstanding, I, I don't want them to convince them differently. I want them to show me what they're feeling so I can understand how we resolve this problem so it just doesn't pop up as another weed, weed in our garden mm -hmm. later on. Does that make sense? Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I am sitting here trying to decide whether or not to share, and I think I will, um, a passage from, from your, I, I, it may have come from the book. It's up on your website that I thought was um, very relevant to, to, again, sort of the goals of my own podcast and helping people to be more effective communicators. So let me go ahead and do that. It's about listening. Uh, you say, in the most connected time the world has ever known, we have become divided. To find strength, we have taken refuge in the silos of the people who think like us. And though we feel safe with people of like mind and our voices have become more powerful, the problem is there are very few people listening. Everyone has found their silo and the gaps between our silos 
getting wider and deeper. We seem to have become more concerned with our silo being right than solving the problems in front of us. What happened to our ability to listen to each other? We have started to speak with anger and listen with judgment. More and more, we see verbal attacks on people who disagree with us. They are increasing. Common ground appears to be diminishing and the absence of trust just keeps growing. And I, as we discussed, I think that describes, you know, very well what's happening here in the last week, what's generally been happening in this country over the last several years. And you go on to talk about the need that, that, that to change this requires innovation. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that means. Are there, are there some- Yeah, I, I, would love, I would love to, and by no means am I the authority on what that is, but I can certainly share with you what, what is, comes to me and what I believe right in this moment. Years ago, to be heard, we needed to join together and come together with people of like minds. There were just too many voices out there. So when we created, when we found our like-minded community, I remember when I found mine, I thought I died and went to heaven. I couldn't believe other people were as crazy and believe these crazy things that I believe. And, and together we stood strong. And it was like, instead of one wolf just sitting on a hill going, ow, suddenly there was a pack of us and it was, and you could hear our voice more. But I think it's in Ecclesiastics that it says, and I'm not a, a religious man, I'm a spiritual man, but in Ecclesiastics, it talks about there's a time for every season and a time for everything under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. And I believe the time for like-mindedness is over. As comfortable as it is to stay in our comfort zone of people that think like us and feel like us, we don't have the ability in that community of people to find innovation and to find new ways of seeing things. And we're seeing that happen in the world today. We, there, how is it possible that we can think about sending a, a people to live, to start to live in, on Mars and we can't figure out how to cl get clean drinking water in Flint, Michigan? How is it possible that people are hungry in the most affluent world, country in the world? How is it possible that we're throwing food away because it doesn't come in nicely packaged containers when there are people that are dying because they, they're, uh, they're dying of hunger. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And so we have to start to think differently. And as long as we think the same with the people that think like us, we'll never see the world differently. Leonard, I believe in a world where everything is possible. The only reason why it's not possible is I don't see a way yet to make it possible. And I'll never see that as long as I continue to see the things the way everybody else sees them like me. It's time for our silos to melt down. It's time for us to take them apart. We weren't created with a world of silos. We were created with a world of beautiful fields and mountains and rivers and, and, and open land where like and unlike minds can come together. And that's really what I want to form, to form now. I want to bring together people in the most disconnected time we are the most connected that we've ever been and we're more disconnected than we've ever been because we're not connecting to each other. We're standing in our self-made silos that protect me because I'm scared of being hurt by you. So I built a silo, but really I'm scared of being me. I put myself down way more than you'll ever put me down. You'll treat me much better than I treat me. And I don't know why that is. But when I keep hitting myself, if, if you're watching on video, I'm hitting myself in the face. Eventually, I'm going to say, hey, hey that hurts. I'm going to put up this hand right here and, and block it. That hand's pretty close to me. And I don't know if I'm going to continue hitting myself in the face or if I'm going to punch myself in the stomach or the groin or the knees or the feet. So that silo goes all the way down. And so we wonder why we don't feel more connected to each other. 
because even in our connected times, my silo is up is is coming is touching your silo, but we haven't we haven't had any interaction. I painted on my silo who I want you to believe I am. You've painted on yours probably who you want me to believe you are, but we, you and me, haven't touched each other. So how do we end it? Just think of the own the example I gave of hitting myself and putting up a wall to protect myself. If I make a pact to be kind to myself, I can suddenly say, hey, this wall. I'm not, I don't need this wall to protect me from my own assault. And I can bring that wall down. Suddenly I look out at the world. I go, whoa, look what's out here. It's like this is amazing out here. And so the first connection we have to make in our connected process is the connection to self, where we see ourselves without these walls around us. Suddenly when we see ourselves without the wall around us, we see all this stuff. We see the world's much bigger than we are. So there's another connection we have to make. We have to make a connection to the world that's bigger than we are, whether that's source or God or the infinite or the universe or just the world that's bigger than we are. Um, that, that's another thing. And what we, when, when that happens, we have to become a little bit more humble. We have, to be a, we have to realize that we're not in control of everything in the world. We have to realize there's another force that's here in the world that's help, helping to guide us and, and bring us to where we're going. So when we become kind to ourselves and we become humble to the, and, and, and cooperate with the world that's around us, suddenly we start to wonder, wow, I wonder if in this whole world that's been created, what am I really supposed to be doing here? Why was I created? And then we connect to our purpose. So when you have kind people who are compassionate and humble that have found purpose, the reason why they're here, that's the group of people Margaret Mead talks about when she says throughout all of civilization, it's been a small group of who have come together and have created global change in the world. Your purpose and my purpose don't have to be the same purpose. In fact, they are not the same purpose. You wouldn't, I wouldn't need, if, you, if you're going to do what you're here to do, and I, I don't, I wouldn't have needed to be created if that was what I was supposed to do. I have my own purpose. But when we come together and support each other in our purpose, we change the world. And I'm not talking about fixing the world. We just, we just naturally come together and create a world that's more beautiful than the world we can see on Earth. Talking about compassion and kindness is really in the same vein as one of the principles that you know, when I work with clients, I try to convey and get people to live by, which is the importance of being caring and empathetic. Right. And as I was reading through your mosaic strategy, your call to be vulnerable, which I think is what you were just yeah. describing. Yes, that's a, being vulnerable is the second. And when I said when I said cooperative, it's really being vulnerable to realize there's some bigger power at, your, at hand than we are, than just us. And it, it goes back to the sort of the, the cliche, I guess. But of course, uh, cliches become cliches because they're true, um, which is people don't care what you know until they know that you care, and that's so important, particularly communicating in difficult situations that you know, I advise people that the very first thing that you need to, that needs to come out of your mouth is, is something caring and empathetic to show people that you understand, at the very least, understand where they're coming from, understand why the way, why they feel the way they do, even if you don't feel that way, just being able to demonstrate to people, not just tell, but demonstrate to people that you, you understand where they're coming from and might feel the same way if you were in their shoes. I think it's just absolutely critical to, uh, again, uh, as I've said already a couple of times, breaking through and, and winning people over. 
Yeah, and for me, it isn't in the words we say. It's just like the mosaic tells a beautiful story through the words that it tells. But the space between the words tells a whole other story. And I don't think it's in the words that we say that we convince or bring people or, to, or connect with people. I think it's in the presence that we carry. When you have a presence that is trusting. I mean, I have people that I, that I barely know that come up to me and they'll sit down and say, can I just talk with you for a minute? And I'll say, of course, I'm, I'm for you. What do you want to say? And they end up, we end up having beautiful conversations. And they say to me, I'm saying stuff to you that I haven't told my best friends. Because, and I said, why is that? And they said, partly it's because you're a stranger. And I feel sick. I don't feel like I'll get judged for it. But there's more to it, to it than that. I just feel that you're not going to hurt me. And I feel that I can trust you. And in the world that we live in today, that trust is, has disappeared because we feel people will hurt us. Look at what happened over the past few days. People with an agenda because they want something because they haven't been heard will strike out and hurt people. Not because they want to hurt people. I don't believe anybody wants to hurt people. They just so desperately want to have their place to be heard and listened to. And both sides feel that same way. As long as you're on a side, you're in the wrong position. We've got to somehow walk the sides into the center. In the center, there is no side. And we have to realize we're not the differences that make us. Like, look at a mosaic. It's made up of all different colors, shapes, sizes, textures. Um, some are whole, some pieces are whole, some are broken. It doesn't matter. They all come together to make each other more beautiful. That's the beauty of the imagery of mosaic. And if it could be made so simple in the artistry of a mosaic, why do we make it so complicated in the artistry of, a human, of human existence? Our diversity is what makes us more beautiful. Our diversity will give us answers to problems we, we've never, we can never figure out on our own. Our diversity is what will give us the strength to love and accept and be with somebody and listen to somebody. Some of my, the most cockamamie belief systems you'd ever want to know. But if, they were, if something were happening, they were in harm's way, I would take a bullet for him because I love them. I don't know. Is there anybody out there that wants harm to be for on their children? No. Is there anybody out there that wants to feel pain and suffering? No. Is there anybody out there that wants to speak to a world and not be listened to? No. We are so much more similar than we are different. And so you want to go about doing this way. Tell, share that with me. Tell me about it. I want to go about doing, is there, any, is there any common ground in what we feel? If you also look at a mosaic, the pieces are very rarely connected Full, full side to side. Sometimes it's just the smallest possible corner that connects it, but it keeps the mosaic whole, which means when they're only connected to the smallest possible corner, most of what this piece believes and what most of what this piece believes are not the same. They only connect at the smallest possible place, but in that small place creates this beautiful, beautiful artistry. When we feel loved and accepted and listened to and heard and acknowledged and validated, Miracles happen. Incredible things happen. And that's in business, that's in family, that's in relationships, that's in government, that's in, in med medicine, that's in prison systems. It, it happens all across the board. It's beautiful. And I think it's a, it's a good way to, to wrap things up. I, our guest has been Daniel Bruce Levin. I want to thank you again for taking the time. Anybody who's interested can learn more about you and, and your book, The Mosaic, on your website, which is uh, danielbrucelevin.com. And I understand you have a podcast called The Mosaic also that people can, can look for yes. on all the, uh, the usual platforms. Again, thank you so much. It was nice to meet you.
As always, thank you to Jim Cirillo at jimmyimgroup.com for our original music. Thank you to Rachel Greenberger for our new podcast art. Please send questions to WTSWTGT at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at hashtag WTSWTGT. Until next week, always be positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.